Hello and welcome to Talk of Today, where we explore developments in science, technology and society, and what they could mean for the future. I'm your host, Sam Barton. We are seeing an increase in censorship across the internet. Books have been removed from Amazon. YouTube is censoring and suspending channels that peddle misinformation, and even those that don't. Twitter is banning and censoring posts. While these attempts to shape our information environments are perhaps being done with the best intentions, the lessons of history tell us that we need to be alert. Not only are corporations acting as informational gatekeepers, as the arbiters of what sort of ideas should and should not see the light of day, they also make a great deal of money providing their services. Now, I don't see anything wrong with them making a profit off of this. YouTube alone has probably educated more people than anything in existence and contributes to dramatic improvements in equality of opportunity. An African Olympic medalist in Javelin literally learned how to perfect his throw using YouTube. While these platforms act as a means of bringing together and sharing content, the people who make it valuable are the creators. Every dollar that YouTube or Amazon's book service makes is a dollar that is being taken away from the creators. In the past, these platforms were necessary for creators to make a living. They provided the platform and empowered users to easily get their content out into the world and in front of you. But it no longer needs to be this way. A new suite of technologies captured by the term crypto is making it possible to remove the middleman altogether. Joining me today is Jeremy Kaufman, CEO of Library, a blockchain-based protocol which is aiming to do what Bitcoin has done for money for publishing, in that rather than relying upon third parties to aggregate and distribute content, Library has built a technology that allows this to be done peer-to-peer without fear of censorship or demonetization. Jeremy is also the CEO of Odyssey, a YouTube-like video streaming platform built on library technology. Jeremy, his team, and the library community could forever change how we share content on the internet and democratize information, which is why I wanted to have a quick chat with him on the show. The topic of freedom of speech is one of the most important conversations of our time. Billions of people now have access to devices that allow their thoughts and ideas to be broadcasted into the world. One person can have an audience bigger than major TV stations. What is normally left out of the conversation when it comes to freedom of speech is that it's not just about being able to express your own opinions. What is just as important is that limits on our expression interfere with our own right to hear what these people have to say. Whether or not we agree should be up to us, not decided for us. As the philosopher John Stuart Mill said in his famous essay on liberty, the peculiar evil of silencing the expression of an opinion is that it is robbing the human race, posterity as well as the existing generation, those who dissent from the opinion still more than those who hold it. If the opinion is right, they are deprived of the opportunity of exchanging error for truth. If wrong, they lose what is almost as great a benefit, the clearer perception and livelier impression of truth produced by its collision with error. And on that note, here is my conversation with Jeremy Kaufman. All right, well, Jeremy, uh, it's great to have you here. I'm uh, very excited to, to speak with you, and I'm incredibly excited about the project uh, that you've been working on over the past couple of years. I've been hoping for something like it for a, uh, a, long, a long time, and I was very pleasantly surprised to see it pop up on my, on my Twitter feed. So uh, to begin with, I guess if, we could just, um, if you could just begin with a brief introduction, you know, introduce yourself and what you're up to at uh, Library. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here with you. And I won't make this 
too much about myself. I'll just kind of talk about what we're doing. So I'm I'm the CEO of actually two companies. I'm the CEO of Library and something called Odyssey, uh, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. And so there's sort of two levels to what we're doing. So one is there's people who are sort of frustrated by, we could say, the big tech status quo, um, that these Silicon Valley companies, they they kind of build a great product and then they turn on the monetization dial and, and they start exploiting you and they, they start supporting, you know, sort of the more um, corporate uh, kind of sources. You know, YouTube used to be, um, you know, sort of all about the people, these independent content creators, and, and now it's about cable news and, and Stephen Colbert. So Odyssey, uh, a lot of people say it's more like YouTube was five or 10 years ago. Uh, it's being used by millions of people every day. There's a huge roster of creators on there. Um, creators who you might go on and see, hey, I forgot about that guy uh, or, or something like that. Um, and so for people who are just looking, who have some frustrations with YouTube, you can go on to Odyssey and, and have a better experience. Uh, and more and more people are. Um, uh, you know, we're seeing record traffic on a, on a near daily basis. And so that's the sort of simplest thing. And so we're going to talk about some things that get a little more complex than that. Um, but if you just want that, that's all you need to know. And you're not, and I want to emphasize, you don't need to know any of the nerdier, more complicated stuff that um, I might start talking about. Um, part of the reason that people are excited about Odyssey and part of the reason um, Odyssey will succeed in a way that some of these other companies won't is it's powered by something genuinely different. And that's the library technology. Uh, so uh, library is an open source uh, blockchain based protocol that does the publishing what Bitcoin does to money. And what I mean by that is it means that you actually own your handle. The company can't take it away from you. Uh, it means that there's no ability to uh, unilaterally um, you know, scrub you from the internet uh, or turn off monetization uh, or, or these kinds of things. So these kinds of things can happen on Odyssey, but they can't happen on the library network uh, itself. And so for people who are a little bit more technical, people who are power users, people who understand phrases like blockchain-based decentralized network, and of course we can dig into that, what, what that means if you want to, they might be more interested in, in library. For people who just want, uh, hey, I just want a better YouTube, go to odyssey.com, have a great time, and you don't need to understand all the more technical stuff. Yeah, yep. Um, I think I'd I think for this conversation, I'd prefer to uh, focus on on library because okay. Odyssey is kind of this unassuming uh, front end for something that's a lot more powerful and exciting. Um, and what I guess uh, excites me the most is it's effectively censorship resistant, right? Like, yeah. you can, as, yeah. as you said, nothing can be scrubbed. Yes, well, and look, look, and uh, Odyssey. I'll be honest, as the as the person who runs both, like Odyssey is designed to make library succeed. Basically, we mm -hmm. created the library technology. It was getting embraced by you know technology enthusiasts, privacy enthusiasts, blockchain enthusiasts, the kinds of people who kind of quote get it. And um, but we wanted something to kind of make it appealing to everyone. And Odyssey is the thing that makes it appealing to everyone, right? My mom can use Odyssey. She doesn't have a problem. It's very user friendly. Um, but library is a very provocative, disruptive kind of uh, kind of thing um, that has that uh, I think a lot of people don't actually even the people who kind of uh, are trying it out and using it don't don't understand all the implications of it. I'm not sure I understand all the implications of it, quite frankly. I see it. 
based on just the, the small amount of digging that I've done, I see it as what could be the library of the world. You know, yep. it's not just a place for videos. Uh, it's not a place for books, as you would assume, given the name, but it's this decentralized repository of if what, what it could be is it the decentralized repository of all of the creations of humanity accessible to everyone in a way that no centralized party or government or extremely motivated group of people can remove content that they might not wish to see on there. Precisely true. No, and that's, I mean, look, that's why the project was called Library. Um, when we started this project, and I'm one of the founders, we didn't sit down and say, we want to compete with YouTube, actually. <laughs> that was a pragmatic uh, um, adaptation to the way that people were, were using the product. Um, uh, so, you know, a lot of people think that a blockchain is simply, or what blockchain does is simply create this new form of, of, of money or this new financial instrument. Maybe it's not money, who knows. Um, but I actually, I'm a computer scientist, I have a computer science background, and I came at blockchain from this angle as, this is actually a new type of database. And that might not sound as exciting to people, but it's really novel that we can have a database that everyone can see into, everyone can access, and it's not owned by anyone. And so, you know, we started, uh, myself and some others started thinking about, well, what can we do with this? And we, we, were, we kind of fell in love with the idea of, of creating exactly what you said, this, um, this global library of content, of information, not even doing so not just like videos. Yeah, library works for books and PDFs and, and text. And it's, everyone can access it. Everyone can use it. Everyone can put something in it, but it's not owned or controlled by anyone. It's not owned or controlled by Myself, it's not under control by the company that made it in the same way that, you know, the people who made the Bitcoin network don't own and control the Bitcoin network. So we don't have the ability to reach into the network and take your handle away and take your identity away. Library is designed with those same properties of Bitcoin where you can have local ownership, local control of that. Mm -hmm. So this has been something that's, I, I, it's confused me a little bit over the years, the distinction between a company a protocol and even the the interface that allows you to access all of these things. So um, I know Odyssey is like a, a use case. It's it's the front end for one application of um, library. Um, and there's would it be the library foundation or the 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 an organization that kind of tends to the protocol? That's right, and that's that's currently Library Inc. Although the Library Foundation assists as well. Um, some of this may change um, because we want to make sure we're following the government's rules as to how you do this kind of thing. And and the rule, the government rules are very unclear and have caused us. Do they have rules for these things? <laughs> they, they're not, it seems they, like they're looking behind most of the time, they, not to the future. They think that they do. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to get into this, but yeah, we're certain we're, we're facing some trouble because they think that we violated a, a 1930s law that was written with with no understanding of, of this kind of technology. Um, but cur the current status, this may change. So this, I will say this information may be out of date in the near future, but, um, the current status is that, that library Inc, which is a standard, uh, us corporation, um, has released this technology. The technology is open source. Other people run that open source code, right? So a lot of the people who are maintaining the network, right? Most of the people who are maintaining the network, they're not, you know, they're not employed by us. They don't work for us. They're all, they're all independent. 
Um, and there's no ability for us to force updates on those people, right? So if we want to modify the software, your people have to agree to those modifications. And like other open source projects, if we made a modification that people didn't like, it would get rejected. The community has the ability to go in their own direction and, and so on. Yep, yep, great. One question that I think a lot of people would be having right now is um, there's some content that we don't want to see the light of day. Yeah. And this technology obviously makes it easier for uh, these forms of content to be uh, censorship resistant. So what sort of solutions um, have been put in place or could be put in place to help see, you know, the more nefarious things that uh, people do um, spring up in, into the world? Yeah. I, and I'm, I'll say I'm not certain that we actually do this because we've seen very little of this kind of behavior. And the internet is already very good at this kind of thing, right? Um, the internet generally makes it very hard uh, to scrub information from it. It makes it very hard <clears throat> to kind of put that genie back in the bottle if something has been released, you know, to unrelease it, right? The internet already doesn't accommodate this kind of, of thing. Um, and so at the lowest level, Library is not really is not different in, in, in some fundamental ways from other technologies like email or the web itself, right? There's no CEO of email. You can't call up the CEO of email and say, you know, delete this email because it has bad stuff in it, right? And you can't call, there's no CEO of HTTP, which powers the, the normal web. There's no company that owns that. So, you know, library is similar in those regards um, to those technologies fundamentally, right? Um, now, that said, this certainly is uh, something that we spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, we even have uh, um, an ethicist uh, on our uh, advisory team. So for sort of tricky moral questions, we can, we can consult with this person. And um, our solution has been um, that we basically um, do our best to facilitate legal usage. And so that is things like basically uh, maintaining and publishing um, block lists, of content that is, um, um, we actually maintain separate ones for content that's outright illegal versus content that might just be objectionable. Um, and so, you know, we're not trying to be edge lords. We're not trying to facilitate um, illegal usage. And the vast majority, vast, vast, vast majority of people want to be using the software legally. And so, you know, there you have to make specific modifications um, to use it in ways that would be infringing or illegal. And we see very little of that uh, behavior. Yeah. Um, so where I know there's Odyssey, which launched uh, relatively recently. Um, if I am an author or a podcaster um, or a creator of any sort, um, would I be able to list my books or my, my podcast? Like what, what's in the works on that front? Yeah. Um, so Odyssey supports most of that content as well. For some content that might not be supported, um, there's the library desktop cl client and, and other library branded apps um, will kind of let you access uh, everything. Um, and so you can go to those if you want to, if you want to access like everything on the, on the network. Um, the library apps also remove, um, there is some filtering that's done at the Odyssey level, not related to legality, um, but simply because the content is objectionable in, in some way. Um, and using the library branded apps does also remove that much less than what you would see on YouTube, but there is some. That's something that um, really excited me about the idea. I mean, censorship resistance is one, but also just cutting out the middleman for all of these um, for all of these creators. You know, if I like w one thing that really annoys me, um, like I like to read, and uh, I've got a Kindle, 
And I know that firstly, I don't own the books that I buy on Kindle. Like to my knowledge, Amazon has the rights and they kind of, they give me the rights to access yeah. it, but I don't own that book, which really like, I haven't made the switch yet, but I know that sometime in the future, I'm just going to lose access to that for some reason. You know, I might want to switch over and I'm going to have to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars get, getting these new books again. But there's another thing that um, kind of annoys me and it's that the information contained in those books isn't as accessible as I would like it to be. I have to access it through this gate gatekeeper and I can't play with the information however I want. Uh, um, like I've, there are all these really cool apps out there that allow you to like if I highlight something in my Kindle, an app called Readwise pulls that, that highlight and then puts it in a particular note-taking software that I've got. And um, that's it's great. It's really useful. But I feel like we don't have the technology yet to really empower people to do what they can to, to just empower them to use the information they have access to in, in the most you know amazing ways. And what I really like about something like this is, for one, you can't take it down, but two, people could upload various different file, file formats. There could be a new standard that can really increase the, I think about it as like information liquidity, right? So how, how easy is it to take, how, yeah, how easy is it to um, take a piece of information and then create some value out of it, right? And with a Kindle, if I want to, or an audiobook, how do I get the information out of that? I've got a you know, either write it down, transcribe it, type it into my computer. The, there's like a high level of, uh, a low level of liquidity there. Um, so something like this, you know, with open file formats can really increase our ability to, to access and work with information. And it can just empower authors to get so much more of their, um, so much more value for their work because there's, it cuts away the middleman. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot there that um, <clears throat> I'm very sympathetic too. In fact, I'm sympathetic to basically everything that you said, I think. Um, and uh, certainly from the cutting out the middleman perspective, there's a huge win um, because you are talking about losing 30, 40, 50 percent to, um, to middlemen with traditional distribution solutions. Library is taking zero percent. And that promise, it can't be that sort of Silicon Valley bait and switch that we've seen before, you know, where they corner the market and then they decide to take 30%. Because of the design of this network, we don't have the ability to unilaterally make those kinds of rule changes that other platforms would. So I think it's a big win from that perspective. Um, and I will say, like, I'm very sympathetic to that lack of ownership type idea. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people aren't. I wish more people were. Like, to me, you know, when you... When you, if you go on to Amazon to uh, to quote, well, there's two options. You can rent the movie, or you can rent the movie for more money, right? Um, the quote yeah. buying option, yeah, it's it's just rental, right? It's all a rental, um, and so I, you know, I definitely think a lot of it is is kind of uh, ludicrous, and so I I would like to use some of this work to to move the world in that um, in that direction. Um, but we're, we also have to be pragmatic and we have to, you know, kind of what, how many people actually care about this. You know, the truth is I, I wish, I wish more people did, but I think a lot of people don't. Um, that said on library, like it is true ownership. You're getting the file. You can download it. You can own it. You can move it between devices. You know, we're not talking about this type of DRM where you're locked into the app or you're locked into one way of using it. So if you want to format shift or, or you want to put it into some other app and read it that way or consume it that way. 
It offers you way more flexibility um, than these other solutions. And it's really a, um, a sort of permanent kind of ownership because there's a blockchain record that corresponds with that purchase. And so as long as you've got your wallet, your cryptocurrency wallet, you know, you're going to be author. You don't even actually need to maintain the file. There's an authorization there that makes it valid for you to um, to, to get that content again. Um, so it really is, I think, um, quite a big step forward for the you know five percent of us that uh, <laughs> that, yeah. uh that care about well, this. The good thing is, there's all it takes is a small minority of people with the talents to build. Like someone else could just build an app that enables all of this, right? So yeah, it just takes a few dedicated knowledge workers to just say. You know what? I'm just going to build on top of this and uh, make something awesome happen. Yeah, and I will. I will take this opportunity to plug that. If for anyone listening um, that is inclined, uh, technically inclined, everything we do is open source, and we have a very welcoming uh, community. And so, if you want to get your hands dirty, either building something new and custom, or building on core components or auxiliary components, like everything we do is public and modifiable. And there's hundreds of people who have you know contributed to our code. Um, you know, in the last year or so. Mm. So where is all of this, how is all of the, all of this information stored? And how does, how does it, you know, how do people get access to it? Because I know that YouTube has ridiculous amounts of things uploaded to it um, every minute, every hour. And this is just, this is um, a distributed network. So there's no centralized place where all the information is stored. So I, I actually have two questions. How is all of this stored and, and transferred and, you know, for people to store it, 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 it uses, they have to expand resources in order to facilitate the, the storage. So how do they get rewarded for it? Yeah. So there's a peer-to-peer -peer network of hundreds of thousands of nodes. Uh, we do operate some nodes as part of running Odyssey. Uh, and so that probably does help a little bit with some of the less uh, popular content. Um, and then um, this part is sort of still being uh, worked on. The sum of it's there, but it's not that robust. Um, we are doing more with incentives to actually be uh, more actively contributing that disk space and bandwidth. But the truth is there's a lot of people out there who are either doing it um, just because they're using the software. So sort of like natively, anytime you're using something library branded, you're helping contribute to the network by using that. And then we also have people who are like enthusiasts. People have built custom software. They're like, I want to sync everything that's ever been published by these 10 channels. And I want to make, and I also want to back it all up. And so, you know, we have people who are contributing, you know, terabytes and terabytes worth of space um, to help um, to help boost the the network. The network does not offer a hard contractual promise that your content will be available. So that's not a promise that, that the network makes. Such a promise would not be possible, right? If I upload some file that's like, you know, tens of petabytes or zottabytes or whatever, I don't know how, how you keep going. Um, but, you know, like, obviously people aren't going to do that for free. They're not going to do that for charity. So um, the idea is that um, it's a combination of sort of like um, contributory mechanisms and also the fact that content that's of even like mediocre, even low levels of popularity, there's enough people who are accessing it that helps keep it available. The library blockchain is separate to Bitcoin. It's not Ethereum. It's a, it's a standalone um, blockchain. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So why did you decide to build, I guess, from the ground up rather than building on top of uh, Ethereum or uh, going another route. I guess those well, are the two uh, yeah, main routes. I yeah, I, I mean, so I think it would be literally impossible to do it on top of 
uh, Bitcoin. And I think it would be yeah. like literally technologically impossible. So there are things, um, this answer would start getting technical, but like if you understand how Bitcoin works, like we maintain um, this parallel Merkle tree at the blockchain level that's mapping names to content so that you can have a, an SPV wallet and, and get certain resolution properties when you're looking up content. That probably didn't make sense to a lot of people. We have an article for people who want to dig into that. Um, could it have been done on Ethereum? Maybe um, pragmatically, I would say no. Um, you can look at how much congestion the Ethereum network has faced. You know, it can't even handle a cat app. Um, and Ethereum also wasn't really around when this was starting. The library blockchain launched in, in 2016. Um, Ethereum's current development direction is basically in recognition of this and saying, let's split Ethereum into a bunch of mini blockchains, um, which is the direction of this sort of sharding model that they're, um, that they're going in. Um, and so, you know, we think it's more likely that, like, I do not see blockchain as a winner take all. Maybe um, blockchain is a winner take all for store of value, or maybe blockchain is winner take all for like consumer cash and purchases. Um, we don't see us as creating a new form of money. We see us as creating this global register of identity and content that's tokenized and it's going to, it's, it's like a commodity and there's going to be some small cost involved in, in interacting with that system. And so I don't see it as winner take all. Blockchains have anti-scaling properties. I mean, Ethereum has basically proven this, that this idea that you're going to do everything on one chain is like, is, is kind of, um, is kind of a ludicrous idea. Um, you know, they're five years in and still attempting to solve this problem, but I think it's like basically fundamentally unsolvable. And it's more likely that we'll see different chains, um, winning for different purposes. Now, I'm, I think the Ethereum team is very smart. I think they're doing something great. And I think that like Ethereum will win for this sort of like, this all-purpose but limited case, I do not think apps that are scaling to billions of users uh, will end up using uh, Ethereum. I don't think that's going to happen. How does the library token actually work? Um, it's quite it's quite similar to um, I'd say it's probably more similar to Bitcoin than Ethereum. I mean, there's a so there's a fixed um, there's a fixed supply. They come into existence via mining. Um, it takes a you can use them as um, you need to use a small amount of them to create a handle or to publish something. You can also use them to tip or pay uh, creators. Um, and then there's also a staking system. So you can basically use your credits. If you have credits sort of lying around, you can use those to sort of vote on or boost uh, other content. Um, and that's basically used as sort of like a trust uh, a trust mechanism um, that you can lock up your credits and, and sort of say, I trust this other um, this other content. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the way that it, that it works. I will also say we have a, a website, lbry.tech, which digs into all the technical specifics, uh, explains all of the code, the various repositories. Um, we, have a white, we have a real white paper, not one of these blockchain white papers. We have a real, uh, we have an academic white paper. It was accepted by IEEE, uh, which is a pretty prestigious engineering body. Um, so this is a this is a real serious um, you know academic and technical effort. Do users, uh, let's say I wanted to buy access to a limited set of videos or a book or something, would I transact with the library token, or is it possible to use um, other cryptocurrencies? Currently, you would transact through through the token. Although I will emphasize, like most of the content on the network currently is um, is is basically free. Um, so we do see some some paid usage. Um, one of the things that's held back paid usage has been 
um, you know, the regulatory climate. Um, it's uh, dealing with blockchain stuff is actually still a mess in, in a lot of the world. And we're not nearly as free. Um, like we still can't do credit card processing in the U.S. Um, and for our credit card processing outside of the U.S., you know, we're paying an arm and a leg um, compared to what you would pay if you were doing anything other than, than blockchain. Um, so I do think the world is sort of still catching up. I hope it will continue to get better um, over time. And that's also part of why like so much of our adoption has been this YouTube style user generated, um, basically free to watch uh, content. And that is that is part of why we've pushed hard in this direction is to, due to some of these challenges. Yeah, I think the, the video route makes a lot of sense because video is the most accessible to everyone. You don't need to be able to read to watch a video and it's engaging, you know. Um, we always thought video would be like, video was was at the forefront from day one. We thought it was going to be more the like $5 movie and less the, the YouTube. When we were like sitting down, we, we, our first sort of marketing push and user push was more at the, at the paid movie. And then everyone started using it for uh, the user generated stuff. We're like, all right, well, that's, we should probably, you know, we're not above being wrong. You know, we're going to, we're going to emphasize that, that usage a little more. Yeah. So I know that over the past year or two, I guess it must've been quite an exciting time uh, for you guys in a, in a good and in a bad way, I guess with, you know, it just seems that there's a lot more censorship, uh, people being deplatformed or canceled books being taken off Amazon, uh, people being, um, censored by YouTube for perhaps talking about things that might contradict what the, uh, the health bodies say. Um, and I think that could drive a lot of people to adopt, uh, and to start using platforms like Odyssey or, you know, just using library in general. Um, but what, but that, that would be great because it's, it's nice to know that the solutions are there, but if you're experiencing, um, so much, I guess, trouble, uh, due to regulation, uh, due to trying to work within the, the constraints of, of these, you know, perhaps archaic, um, institutions, um, how, yeah. How, how do you, like, what are the challenges? What are the regulatory challenges that you're facing in a explain like I'm five cents and yeah. how is it limiting, um, your progress? Yeah. Look, and I want to say like, as a, someone who just wants to come on and watch stuff or publish stuff, you're not going to run into any of this. Like if, when you go on to Odyssey and try using it, like you're going to find it to be as easy to use as YouTube or Twitch or any of these other services. Um, so it's held, it's, it's more held back our, our growth and our growth has been tremendous even despite this, right? So, I mean, we're a, Odyssey is like a top 2000 website now, um, you know, with, with a, a very large user base coming on, um, every day to, to, in, uh, to engage and, and watch content. Um, it's held back a little bit, our ability to disperse the token, um, you know, sort of as widely, um, as we would like. Um, my company is facing a civil challenge from uh, from the government. They're not trying to shut down the network. In fact, they admit they can't shut down the network. Um, you know, so they're not trying to sort of destroy um, the network itself. Um, they think by creating our own uh, uh, token um, that we may have violated, uh, that we may have like created, done a civil violation. And we, they basically wanted us to give us, uh, to give them all of our money. We'd be happy to actually, uh, not happy to, um, but like we'd be willing to, um, we just want rules of the road, right? So our push for the government has been, well, like if you, if we're going to give you, you know, 5 million bucks, you got to tell us 
like what are we allowed to do moving forward? Um, they've been unwilling, um, so we are um, we are going to end up with a with a court challenge. And honestly, the biggest damaging factors. I mean, there are so many people that are excited about this technology. Um, there are a number, you know, there there are a number of people who would like to be involved in a larger degree. Um, and it's you know can be can hurt investment money or things like that when you have this kind of um, when you have this kind of government case. Um, but it hasn't really slowed us down. Like so many people are excited about what we're doing. People put in volunteer time. You know, everyone here is working really hard, and it's how we've been able to you know achieve what we we have, which is. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure um, that library is the most used D app in the world. I think we're the most successful um, sort of blockchain based application uh, in terms of actual usage. Um, so, you, you know, because we've never focused and that's also what's weird about the case is like we haven't focused on the hype. We haven't focused on the, you know, buy the token and, and hold and all this stuff like we focus relentlessly on getting people to use it. Um, and I think that's why we've had the success that we've had. Yeah, um, I think with a lot of these um, crypto platforms, you go to the website and you just hit with all this mumbo jumbo uh, blockchain this and hash rates or hashing, all this sort of stuff. And like, if I'm if I have no idea what what's going on, I'm like, I just want to know how I can use this. I don't like when I go to a Facebook, I don't care if they're using like what programming language they're using or. Yeah whatever. I just want to use it. And it was nice to see it. Just go to odyssey.com. And it was just like a YouTube. It was just, it was just like YouTube. I could click on stuff, uh, watch videos, follow people. It was not difficult at all. And, you know, then the crypto comes in when you see the little tokens and you can, uh, tip people, which I love. I think it's brilliant. You know, I, th I think one of the, the sad things is like, I, I, I hate advertising with an absolute passion. Like I committed to, I'll never run ads on this, on this podcast because they just, I actually think it's an infringement on our autonomy in a way, because, you know, people are paying to get access to your mind. They're paying to, you know, seed some idea in, in you. And, um, I don't think that we should have, I don't know if we should make them illegal, but I think people <laughs> should have the freedom to opt out to yeah. completely opt out of ads if they wish. And, um, I think that the, the solution that you've, um, come up with or that, you know, that, that you're helping bring into the world is, um, is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And that's our, um, attitude as well. Like, so we are the truth. A lot of creators want ads, right? And so like I have my own, uh, positions and some of them, um, like the fact that people should have a choice I'm going to cling to, and I'm never going to let go of them. And it's already like baked into everything we've done because even if the company, you know, if I get, you know, uh, a mind virus or like other people take over the company because everything is open source and forkable and so on, you'll always have a choice. Even if Odyssey became evil, you'd always have that um, choice. Um, but even on Odyssey, certainly for as long as I'm running the company and hopefully as long as I have any influence here, like, you should have a choice even with that. So we are going to do ads on Odyssey. A lot of creators like ads. They want to make money off of ads. You know, ads aren't my thing. I like to avoid them. But that's, again, that's a choice type thing. And so our solutions will always be in the space of, okay, do you want to watch the ad or do you want to pay the money, right? And the truth is, these ads don't make very much, right? You're watching a 30-second ad, a minute YouTube ad, and you know, they always give these numbers in CPM, cost per million or cost per thousand. Um, I like to do it uh, CP1 uh, because I think it really makes it clear what your time is supposed to be worth. And you're like, this guy's making two cents for 30 seconds of my time or a minute of my time. 
It's like, I'd rather give him two cents. That's a bad, exactly. five cents. You know, that's a much better deal than watching, um, watching a minute advertisement. So, so, um, as we do more with ads, which we are going to do, we're always going to retain that principle of giving users a choice. Yeah. And let's say that I pay that two cents or that 10 cents, even if it's 50 cents for, you know, uh, an article on the New York times or a dollar, I think empowering the user to just ask for a refund. If like this was an absolute waste of my time, give me a refund, like just automatically processing that. And then maybe if they're doing that for literally everything they're looking at, then perhaps some intervention comes in, but just empower the user with some freedom, with some, with trust. And most people will be happy to just, you know, to pay. Yeah. That's my intuition at least. Yeah. I mean, you could look at the current success of, of Substack. Um, as, as an example, um, people are paying way more than, uh, you know, two or five or 50 cents an article. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's clear that, and I think the, um, honestly what's going on with the big tech, um, with a lot of the big tech behavior, like we sort of saw, like there was always a sort of like narrow opinion that could be expressed on like the, the, you know, um, the nightly news or, or whatever. And social media really opened up what you could say. It meant that a much wider um, set of opinions could be um, presented. And it seems now that like the larger social media companies are narrowing that back down to something much closer to um, to the way things used to be in the in the eighties or uh, or early nineties before the internet had really uh, taken off, or way back you know even earlier than that. Um, and so. Um, it does seem that like people, but people really are hungry for that kind of independent voice, that voice that's not bought, that voice that can say what they think, that can be honest, even if they're wrong sometimes, even if they say things that are unpopular sometimes. Um, people should be allowed to do that kind of thing. And people want that kind of thing. And it's a big part of why, um, you know, our, we're, we're taking off so much. Um, and so... Um, I feel, you know, I feel optimistic about, you know, sort of about the future for these reasons, despite the fact that um, I guess it's a higher standard to be uh, to publish to YouTube than it is to be a medical doctor. <clears throat> like, I don't I don't think that's going to be a winning strategy for them. And I think our success, you know, kind of shows that. Yeah. And I think the success is inevitable because I, I think by because these um you know, Google who owns YouTube and all, all of these other companies are contained within countries. They, they you know, are beholden to the nation state in which they are registered or reside in. Um, they have to follow the laws. And if these platforms and the content that's contained within them is leading to things that those countries don't really like, they'll crack down on the platforms as, as we're seeing. And the thing about the internet is the governments can crack down on, on these platforms, but you know, they could get rid of the Apple phones or they could, they, could get rid of, they could cut something off the app store, but people will just move. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll just, you know, download a new browser or they'll get a new piece of hardware that allows them to get access to the stuff. Like there are so yeah. many different ways that you can circumvent this stuff um, that I think it's just an inevitability that there'll be adoption of library or things just like it. Yeah. And I think library is very robust in this regard. And another phenomenon that's relevant here is like, Basically, all of the most creative people, the most talented people, the people kind of doing the best work that are pushing, that are pushing the, I don't want to say pushing the envelope, but they're like pushing the frontiers of, of just like human creativity and human expression. Like these people like areas where they're more free and they create 
uh, and then like later other people will copy them and adopt them and 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 make other forms of it. But we see so many of these people who are like at the frontier, who are doing some of the best work, who are some of the smartest people in the world. Like like the adoption among science and engineering channels, and for example, as well as other kinds of like um, creative animations and this kind of thing. Like so much of this uh, content is the type of content um, uh, that's uh, coming on. In fact, I can't I can't say this name yet, so uh, it's not official. But I was just on it'd be a very very well known YouTube channel, regarded as you know one of the one of the smarter guys, maybe one of the smartest guys on YouTube, one of the smartest guys doing. Um, you know, interview type content, um, and, you know, and he's coming on for exactly these reasons. He doesn't want to be put in a cage. He wants to be free to um, to express himself. And that's part of what we have to, um, you know, accept is that people are going to say sometimes say things that are weird or wrong or that feel a little bit uh, uh, crazy, but we have to have that as a society, um, you know, to, to progress. And the fact that these people are all the types of people coming on, like one, it means that it's not this ideological echo chamber, like some of these other sites get where you just get a bunch of fringe stuff or, or it's like, you know, only one type of political opinion. We're getting that kind of like early days of the internet type feeling where it's all of these smart people of all kinds of different persuasions of all different kinds, not, you know, not some of them political, some of them not, but all, all different kinds of things. Um, you know, some of the brightest people out there, they're coming on here because that's what they want. They want that kind of frontier. I think something that perhaps isn't as obvious to, it wasn't immediately obvious to me, even though, you know, you know, you hear it's like a pro library is like a protocol. It's like email. It's like all, all these uh, other things. So, you know, no one owns email, no one owns Gmail. So what you're, what you've built and what, you know, the people um, involved with library are building is uh, a way for people all around the world to build, like people all around the world could build entirely new businesses and perhaps billion dollar businesses actually built on top of library. So Odyssey is just one example of these of these businesses, but anyone could create a front end to access it and um, will create whatever they want. Yeah, 100%. And if you're listening and you're the kind of person who is uh, who thinks you have the skill to potentially do that and the hunger to do that, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, yeah, we're um, you know we're we're supportive. Um, I mean, that was myself. Uh, you know, uh, a decade ago, you know, I was in my um, you know, I was in my twenties and I was like hesitant about, um, you know, Hey, do I want to work for some big corporation? And I was like, you know, I kind of want to try, you know, going my own way. And I ended up creating, um, a, a piece of software that wasn't as ambitious as, as library ended up being, but you know, it was a pretty decent, um, pretty decent success. We cornered a decent, um, decent portion of the market, um, you know, that, that we were in. And there's a lot of people out there who have the, um, you know, who have the ability, uh, to do that. And I think more and more of them are going to choose to, um, you know, to look at building something here. Have you had much interest from the scientific community? Um, people looking to host their papers uh, on the library network? Uh, not as much with papers. We do have a lot of science creators. Like there's a whole category on the homepage of Odyssey called lab, um, you know, and so a lot of the best science creators on YouTube, um, you know, Veritasia, Minute Physics are two of the bigger ones, but also, you know, all the way down the catalog. Um, there's a whole bunch of, of those types. We haven't seen a ton um, for papers specifically, probably because a lot of it's going through, you know, archive and 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 sci hub. Mm. Yeah, 
I just, I could see it being, you know, you can pay 10 cents to get access to a paper. Anyone can publish them. There could be these decentralized or distributed uh, reviewers yeah. and journals, like all this. I'm just thinking that it was only in this conversation where I really thought about all the apps, all the front ends that could be built on top of, of, of libraries. So now oh, I'm lo- yeah, no, I more love excited. That. I love that idea. I love that idea. Um, you know, we, we've had our, um, you know, sort of plateful, really just pushing the video uh, use case that we haven't mm. been able to like pick up other apps. There is a podcasting app that someone made um, called um, uh, called Hound FM. Um, but no, I think like the science pa- the science space is huge. I mean, science like just generally like academic publishing um, is so messed up. It's so it's like it's terrible. It makes no sense. Um, even I even went through it. I because I never published a paper. I was so I'm a computer science PhD dropout. Um, so I dropped out before I ever published anything. And you know now that I created um, library, which I thought was like genuinely technically novel, I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna become a I'm, I'm gonna do my academic CS thing. And and we wrote uh, we wrote a, a paper and we submitted it to a journal to IEEE. Um, and um, I mean it it was such a mess. Like they the IEEE basically said. If your paper is not in the public domain, we own it. We own it. We own your paper. All the work that you did to publish it here, we're going to own it. So, of course, we put it in the public domain because I'm not going to – I mean, that's generally my attitude anyway. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> not going be- <laughs> to do all this work and give you my paper. It's like it, I can't believe that they're able to get away with this crap. Um, and so I would love to see um, you know, more being done. Uh, to di- to disrupt this space because it it seems really messed up. I'm not like an expert at it, but everything I see makes me think it's really messed up. Yeah, I mean, just the idea that a lot of the money that goes into funding all the science is publicly yeah it, it comes from the taxpayers, right? And right. then these organizations just put up paywalls and say, "Oh, you want to get access to it? Oh, that's that'll be thirty dollars." Like, I, yeah. I would I was considering just signing up to a university. And just doing one course, not ever doing the course, so for the sole reason of getting access to the whole library, that's there. Because, I mean, I guess I could go on SciHub, um, but I've got a, a background in philosophy, and I don't know if all the all the philosophy papers are on SciHub. There's probably better ways around it, I know, but it entered my mind, and I think it's it's criminal. It's 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 really sad in a way that you know, like, it, I think the internet and all the information that's access, that's out there, like the it's this, it, the torch has been passed down for, you know, hundreds and thousands of years. And now it can be accessible to everyone. You know, I see it as like the new birthright, you know, everyone yeah. who's born should have access to the internet and a personal computing device. And we're just locking it away. We're locking away parts of it and it's, it affects all of us and it, it limits our potential for the future. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly sympathetic to that. Um, and I do, I will say, I, I bet most philosophy papers are on uh, Sci-Hub. Of course, you should you know, follow the law. I'm not encouraging any uh, any any illegal or infringing activity. Of course, um, but I I do think a lot of them are um, a lot of them are on there. And I, but you know the Sci-Hub is it's it's beautiful in, in in some ways because it is this such a complete catalog. Um, like user experience wise, you know, it does kind of leave um, a bit to be desired. Now the user experience of the fact that you can find every paper that's pretty good. Um, but other aspects of it, you know, there's definitely room for. Um, improvement. Um, and yeah, I would love to see some of that being pushed via library. So what are some of the, uh, what's in store for the next um, couple of years? So what, what's happening with Odyssey? What's in store for library? What are some of the most exciting projects that are being worked on? 
um, it within the community? Um, so more apps um, expanding beyond video. So like to have, um, um, I think news and podcasts are probably the two um, that are most likely to uh, come. Uh, but maybe maybe um, academic papers or other things like that. Um, I mean, we still have a lot of growth to do just with the core product. I want to grow that to a billion users, right? So there's a lot that's there's a lot of work to be done. Um, there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, this isn't as exciting from a decentralization perspective, but uh, I think it's still an exciting feature. Um, Odyssey is adding um, just um, fiat-based tipping. So if you want to tip euros or dollars, you'll be able to do that. Goes right into the creator's bank account um, and a very low fee, um, and that's actually something we just started. Um, we just started rolling out and testing. Um, but like very big picture, I actually think library, um, in addition to having the chance to be this sort of um, global content registry uh, for the entire internet, where you know you're missing out, you're losing out if you don't publish there. Um, one of the ways we've been updating our thinking is actually recognizing that we've built this identity system. There are um, millions or more than a million identities that people have created on this network that they actually own. Um, and it's really unprecedented. And so we want to do more with allowing those identities to be brought into other systems. You know, so imagine the fact that this identity that you have it really is yours. And so rather than creating the same handle in different places that are actually different handles that are actually owned by whatever company made that service that you're signing up with, Library has the chance to be this identity system where you own your identity and you can take it back and forth and port it between places. So this is a little bit more exploratory. It could be that six months from now we decide, hey, I don't know, maybe we're not doing that. Uh, but that's, that's probably the biggest sort of new thing. That's not brand new, but that we're, we're shifting more and more of our thinking in that, in that direction and to, at, the, at the library level. So we kind of have different things going on. I mean, we have a whole team of people that are just dedicated to Odyssey and they're, they're working on Odyssey like very much the way that you would work on a traditional startup. You know, they do, mm -hmm. we do sales, we do outreach, we do customer support. It's a website, you know, make it grow, right? And then we've sort of got the, the more experimental frontier pushing, you know, library uh, group, which is like trying to push the development of this cutting edge technology that's brand new, that has properties that don't match what came before and trying to figure out, hey, what else can this thing do? You know, where else is it going? Yep, yep. Uh, well, um, very exciting times. So if people want to keep up to date with uh, what's going on um, with Odyssey, with Library, uh, where should they go online? Uh, go to Odyssey. Uh, go to odyssey.com, sign up, create your account. I think you follow Odyssey by default. There's also a library channel that you can follow, which gives sort of nerdier, more insider details. And there's also a library tech channel, uh, which gives even more technical. These are like, you have to be like a real computer scientist, I think, to get these articles. Uh, but if that's you, you can follow that channel as well. Uh, and so we try to always put everything there. Um, so like you're not, if you're following those channels, you're not going to miss out on anything. Um, we, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, Twitter's probably like the other uh, place that we post uh, the most. So it's library.com on Twitter, uh, as well as Odyssey team. So you can follow those. But really, like the number one thing to do is if you're, if you're, if you're listening right now, go to odyssey.com, create your account, um, follow talk of today, right? Uh, okay, because you're, you're on there. And like, just start, uh, start using it, find the creators, 
that are also on there, follow them. Uh, there's a, a plugin called Watch on Odyssey that will actually redirect you from YouTube to Odyssey if the content is also on Odyssey. And, and you know, just start dipping your toe in the water. You don't have to understand it all in advance. You'll learn by doing. Um, and, and just start having some fun. And remember the way that the internet used to be um, before we all got so uptight, you know? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And for the creators out there, Everything that you upload automatically syncs yes, to Odyssey from YouTube, right? Uh, yes, I'm that was, so that bad was at my huge because I was Thank so you. lazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, the idea of having to upload dozens and dozens of videos would that would have been a big that would have been a big no for me. But I was very happy to see that. No, that is a great point. I'm so glad you prompted me on that. And so, if you're a creator yourself and you have a YouTube channel, we will do all the work. You check. It's so easy that people don't believe me on how easy it is. So I've actually started to make it sound a little bit harder than it is, so people will trust me. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, that's like not a joke. I used to be like, it'll take 30 seconds. And people were like, it can't take 30 seconds. So I started saying it takes a couple of minutes and people found it more believable. Um, uh, but it's, <laughs> I'm not, that's not a joke. Uh, it, it is very easy though. You literally check a box. You have to be logged into YouTube and you say, this is my channel. And we, everything else gets set up for you automatically. It brings over everything. It's like magic. And so um, it's another very easy way to get started, you know, um, gives you a little bit more safety, gives you a little bit extra revenue, lets you start building up a following um, in this new place that's going really fast, you know. Um, and so also if you're a new content creator, right, like the next PewDiePie is not going to break out on YouTube. YouTube's not amplifying that stuff anymore, right? And so places like Odyssey, that's where, um, that's where these people are going to be successful. And so if you're also up and coming, I think it's even more important that, that you be on Odyssey. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for taking the time. It's been good fun. Sam, it was great to be on. Cheers. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. All of the links to things discussed can be found in the show notes, which you can find either in your podcasting app or on my website at samhbarton.com slash podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with new episodes and anything else I've got going on, subscribe to my newsletter through my website, Follow me on Twitter at Sam H. Barton and subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can view all of the podcast episodes as well as the short clips from them. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with whoever you think might love it and consider giving it a review on Apple Podcasts. I've committed to never running ads on this podcast, so if you enjoyed this chat in particular, consider contributing to my coffee fund at paypal.me slash talk of today. Thanks again for listening and until next time, stay curious.